there's many opinions. Because I understand there's some kind of election or something that's going to happen Tuesday. Is that right? Uh, seemed like I heard something somewhere about some some election thing. I, yeah, we know what's coming. If you've read or listened to or watched any news, you've been bombarded with attack ads, half-truths, deceptive wording, and just outright lies. And how do you sort through it all? How do you know what to do? And, and as as a pastor, as an elder, I, you know, we, we need to help shepherd the flock through times like this. And uh, know what the Word of God says. To know what, where we must be looking to. And, and take the Word of God and, and, and let it speak. Because there are many concerns in America right now, are there not? Again, you can't you can't get out around people or pick up a paper or turn on a radio TV or anything else and not hear about COVID. It's it's just you know, maybe November fourth, much of it'll go away, I don't know. But uh, it is very real. Uh, Barb and I can testify to that. It is a flu virus, which we have every year, but perhaps not to this extent. And and we we have a in, in all practicality, we have a two-party system of political government here in this country. You know, I know there's offshoots of others, but when you really come down to it, it's it's two parties, and they are at odds. This one's not doing enough. That one should have done this. This one, this, back and forth, back and forth. It's like watching a group of two-year-olds fighting over a toy or something, and it's it's uh, well, it makes you proud to be an American, doesn't it? When you see stuff like that happen. Uh, there's, there's vastly differing views, and, and there is no doubt about this. Vastly different views on the issues of abortion, right to life, marriage, gender. Did you ever think that a topic like that would ever come up? You know, us older ones, my goodness, how, how could this even come to be? There's fighting over immigration. Vastly different views. I, I I got on there. You can go to a national debt counter. You really don't want to go see that, but I, I opened it up last night, and and it's just it's just it's just going going. It's just rolling. It's up uh, national debts, uh, and I don't know how all that works anyway. But it's over twenty seven million dollars. And if you want to break that down, in case you, you know, trillion trillion. I meant to say trillion. Oh yeah, that's not much. Sorry, $27 trillion. If you want to break that down, it even broke it down for you. That's uh, in case some of you want to write a check and, and send it in to pay your part. It's $82,000 per citizen, not adult, per citizen. So you got a family of, of six, you know, just write a check for about a half a million dollars and, and I'd take care of your part of it and, and just go on with all of this and, and just... Moral, it, we, we've heard some things off Friday night, and one of the things I've talked about, and again, you know, I'm telling my age, and for us older ones, we know, because back years ago, I was a member of Steelworkers Union out of, down at Glover, and, and unions uh, were backed by Democrats. And years ago, years ago, the two-party system was basically, it was labor, the Democrats, and then the owners the rich folks were the Republicans. That's that's how it, years ago that's was the divide. It was monetary. It's not like that anymore. It's not broken down like that anymore. Now it's morals. Now it's morals. It, it, it's about those things I've talked about: marriage and gender and lines of sexuality. That in the midst of all of this, if it's going on, then I'd ask you guys, how you doing? How you doing? Being bombarded with this kind of stuff. How you parents with younger kids? How you doing? Thinking about what what this country is evolving into, it seems. Are we anxious? Fearful? Worried? Yeah, that's what we should be. Homesick to go home. Let, let me ask this. Did you get in into any needless arguments over politics last week? Because your view, everybody should have your view. 
Election time can be a tremendous distraction for the child of God. It has been for me, I'll admit, and and confess and repent. Because I, you know, we gotta, we got got to, got to turn it on to see, did, are they going to do a stimulus? Are they, are they going to, what are they going to do about this? Or what? what's this one saying about that? What about that laptop? What about all this stuff? Got to, got to know. I got to know these things. No, I don't. And, and I found, Barbara and I went on the, on the little trip, first trip we've taken since March, and went down to Branson to Praise Fest. And didn't get to talk to you about it. It was very good. Got to hear Greater Vision three times. Yeah, it was it was good. Mark Lowry was there the last morning. Did such a tremendous job, and and uh, it was just a good time to get away. And and but but here I found myself. A lot of times when we go on these trips, I take Alistair Begg with me, and, and we listen to sermons as we go. But but I kept going up to Sirius Radio, punching Fox News. I got to know what's going on. I got to know. I got to know. You see, a distraction, distraction, distraction. But there are many who are trying to put out some uplifting words. And and this is a quote. I don't know who I got it from. And actually, it came from uh, the last election cycle. And, and this is just a quote from someone. It says, As I watched and pondered and prayed and discussed, there has been one thought I have continued to need to remember in order to help me resist the urge to completely freak out. Basically, it's what the eternal, unchanging Word of God reminds us of in Daniel. Put, put up Daniel 2, 2021. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His, and He, the Lord God, and He, changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And in Psalms 103, verse 19. Did I put it in there? Psalms 103, I'm sorry, 103, verse 19. I didn't put that in there either. That's okay, I'll read it. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we as we come into a time such as this and as we consider topics such as this, help us to remember who is in control. It is You. It is You. You're the one who changes the times and seasons. You're the one who removes kings and raises up kings. You're the one that we turn to in time of trouble and need. You're the one who has your throne established in the heavens and on high. So, Father, help us to hear from you. And, Lord, help me, keep me from getting on a soapbox of any kind. Lord, just let us all be faithful in doing what you are asking each individual to do in times such as these. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. God is on his throne. He will still be on His throne Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or whenever we find out the results of this thing. He'll still be on His throne. God's not sitting on His throne, wringing His hands, going, oh my, oh my, I hope hope my people get out there and do, I hope things work out, I hope, I hope. That's not God. God knows who will be put in. And God will work in the hearts and minds of people throughout this country, both believers and unbelievers. He will work in their hearts and minds so that the vote count will come out right where He wants it. Did you know that? Psalms 47, uh, verse 6 through 8. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. You want to know who's going to be in charge? The same one as always, God. 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 God reigns over the nation. God sits on His holy throne. So so, so what do we do as a child of God? What's my part? What's my role? Do Do we just sit back 
and do nothing, saying, well, God's on his throne, God is sovereign, and no one can thwart his plan, so, so I'll just sit back and let it all unfold, and, and we'll see what happens. I don't need to get involved. Is that the attitude a child of God should have? Yeah, I, I believe that we should be the hands and the feet and the voice of God on this earth. As we follow His Word here, and as we live for Him so that everything that we would say and do would bring honor and glory to Him. And so, so as I see it, we get involved. We get involved. Uh, in Titus 3, the first two verses. Remind them, this is Paul telling Titus to, to remind the children of God, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. So remind them. Remind them of these things. Subject to rulers and authorities. Obey. Be ready for every good work. And, and I know our definitions of what a good work could be may vary, but, but we know we can go to the Word of God and what He says is good is good and what He says is is evil or wrong is wrong, so we could go to those things. But remind them, remind them, if I could say it, of their responsibilities as a child of God living in a pagan nation. Let our light shine. Can we let our light shine by going to a polling place? I think we can. Maybe there'll be a conversation that'll start up. Well, hey, what's, what's, uh, what's your thoughts? Well, uh, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe what the Bible says, and and I've got to, as best I can, try to choose those who will uphold the principles, at least, uh, whether it's evident in their in their personal lives or not. At least the platform goes along with the things that, that at least God doesn't hate. Let's do this. Let's go to Romans 13. You knew we were going to go there today, probably. Once we got started. Let's go to Romans 13. Paul expounds all the more on governing authorities. Romans 13. We're going to go through verse 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That's this, this is going along with what we've already read, correct? Uh, God places kings and rulers into place. God is in control, whether it's a republic, whether it's a democracy, whether it's a dictatorship, whether it's a monarchy, whether it's a communist regime, God is in control. Overall, overall, God is in control and will use them for His plans and for His purposes. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, let me pause again on well, what judgment says talking about. Now, I, I, this, this is not talking about judgment in when we stand before the Lord. That, it's not that judgment. This judgment is the judgment from the governing authorities. If you're disobedient, you break the law, you get caught, you will suffer the consequences, you see. Uh, the, you will be judged. And, and the, the authorities, if you do evil or do wrong, they will bring judgment upon you. Let's go on. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, the governing authorities, is God's minister to you for good. Or at least they should be, correct? But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. And again, the he there, that's not God. That's the governing authorities. For he, the governing authorities, does not bear the sword in vain. For he, the governing authorities, is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So what's 
what's God's picture that government should be? See, governing authorities are in place to restrain evil. Even wicked empires have laws against murder and theft and things like that. Even a wicked empire. Verse 5, Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, the, the wrath that will come from the governing authorities, but also for conscience sake. Now, now I think this, be obedient not just because you fear the consequences, but also for conscience sake, for the Lord's sake, for those who are children of God. Verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes. And I know there's some who have an attitude, I, I don't want to pay taxes, I don't want to pay taxes at all. I want to be off the grid, I want to be hiding out in the woods, I don't want them to bother me, I don't want no taxes, I don't want no social security, I don't want nothing going to the government. But what does God say? See, if, if you run into somebody like that, what should be your response to them? Here, here, let me just put it this way. Pay your taxes, thus saith the Lord. How about that? And take them to Romans and, and just show it to them. But because God puts governing authorities in place so that we might hopefully live peaceably. And it takes money to take care of a police force. It takes money to take care of these things. And that's why taxes are in place. So what's the Lord say? Or because of this, because of there's these governing authorities, they have to eat, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The role of government is to protect those who do good and punish those who do evil so that we might have order, so that we might live in peace and without turmoil. Now, <laughs> when you look at the two major parties in our nation, is there one party that more closely adheres to this than the other? Oh, you're getting political now. <laughs> hey, we're just looking at what, what, what the Word says, aren't we? Another way I might ask this is to put it this way. Does one of the parties seem to punish those who do good and protect those who do evil? Kind of seems that way. You decide. You decide. You pray and you decide. First Peter, second chapter, 11 through 17. First Peter, second chapter. 11 through 17. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So there, there we have it again. This is Peter echoing the same thing that Paul was saying. Why has the government been put in place? For the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So it seems to me that, that the, the whole point is God has put government in place and we as children of God are to submit to it that we might live in peace within the land that God has placed us because he has placed us here I was born here in this area in this valley in the little the, the hospital building is still standing down there up from the courthouse it's empty now it looks like a haunted house almost but that's where I was born and, and, and God has placed me here 
that we might live in peace within the land that God has placed us. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. And again, this is a portion of Scripture that some of us got to hear Vody Bauckham talk about this on, a, on one of the Friday nights. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And I'm going to pause here for a minute. By, by by Tuesday night or whenever the election results are are finally tallied up, some of us may thinking may be thinking perhaps, man, we're in Babylon now. So you see that, and think about this. That, you know, I've talked about two parties, but there's people worried on both sides. Even though we disagree mightily on on things, there's people on the left that are worried that the right's going to get in there. There's people on the right worried that the, 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 the left is going to get in there. And, and everybody's going, oh my goodness, what if they if they get in there and, and if they get if both sides, if they get the presidency and and then they get the majority of the House and then they get the majority of the Senate, if they get all three, we're doomed. People on both sides are thinking this and saying this. And perhaps you have too. I've thought it. My goodness. Get him in there. Lose the majority in the Senate. You already know what's going on in that house. Oh, my goodness. People are going, what will we do? What will we do? What will we do? Here, everybody listen. Everybody listen. Say amen. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do Wednesday morning. And I like when Vody pointed this out. Verse 5. Here's, here's what you do. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased here and not diminished. What, what will we do? What will we do? Keep living. You keep living life. You keep serving the Lord. That's what you do. You don't curl up in a ball and Get ulcers and, and oh my, oh my, oh my, the sky is falling. No, no, no. You build houses and dwell in them. You plant gardens, you eat fruit. You live life and serve the Lord. Verse 7. And seek the peace of the city where I, the Lord, I, the Lord, have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. There's what we do. We live life and we pray. And we keep praying. Are you praying now? I hope you are. And you pray. And you keep praying. And and even if you don't see how maybe your vote is there, but this side, the Lord knows who's going to be in there. And, and if... Now, I'm just going to say, if the left gets in there, and if they have the majority here or here, and they have the presidency, hey, you keep praying. And you keep praying for the president. You keep praying for those who are there that, that the Lord would open their eyes to truth and that they would lead in a godly fashion, you know, th that we might live in peace. Romans 13 said to be subject to. Romans or Titus 3 said to be subject and, and obey. I'm going to go ahead and bring up this, and I know I have done this in the past at different times. I just want to ask this question. Is there ever a time when we should disobey? Yes. There are times when we must disobey the governing authorities. But listen, now, now this, is where, this is where I've got to have everybody's attention. So are you listening? Say amen. And, and at least stay with me through this. We disobey... When government asks us to do what God forbids us to do, or when government forbids us to do what God has commanded us to do. That's when we disobey. So do we all get that? We disobey when government asks us to do what God forbids us to do in His Word, or when government forbids us to do what God has commanded us to do. And 
examples. Let's just a few examples. Uh, do you remember the account in Exodus 1 where the, the, the midwives were told, okay, when you're there and a baby's being born, if it's a baby boy, do what? Kill it. Can't. He's trying to wipe out uh, the baby boys there for a purpose, the, the, the king of Egypt, and, and the midwives disobeyed the king of Egypt and not putting to death all the baby boys when they were born. And, and I'll just uh, just read the one verse there in Exodus uh, one seventeen. You can read all the rest of it yourself. Uh, Exodus one seventeen. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Who did the midwives fear most? God. And that's us. That's us. That that we would fear the Lord. Uh, in Daniel 3, we're not going to go there and read from Daniel 3 today. You know the story and, and you can uh, take and, and read this on your own or read it to your children. This is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused the command to bow to the golden image and, and were thrown into the fiery furnace. They disobeyed. Did God see them through? Oh, yes, He did. Yes, He did. Uh, how about Acts, the fifth chapter? And again, I'm only going to read one verse there. This is where the apostles were taking a stand for the cause of Christ and preaching the word of God. They were thrown into prison and they were told, don't do that. And then they, they were beaten and everything else. But what did they say? Acts 5.29 But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Be obedient to God. Him first. And I, I want us to consider... Uh, the Old Testament story of Daniel. And we're going to go into Daniel 6. And again, you can read more of it. And we're just going to pull a couple verses out. Uh, Daniel had grown in favor with King Darius. Uh, and he had been considering making Daniel the head over the whole realm. Opposition arose from the other governors and leaders. <laughs> now think about this. Here's somebody wanting to put this person in a certain position and it made a bunch of other people mad. And so what do they do? Well, you try to change the rules. You change the laws. Does this sound familiar? I think it does. So they, they make their plan. They changed the law. Daniel 6, verse 7. All the governors and the, of the kingdom, the administrators and saltraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Here comes the new law. And to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Can't have Daniel praying. Can't have people doing what is right. Darius signed the decree into law. What did this new decree do? It threatened Daniel's freedom to worship, didn't it? Are we going to have stuff coming down the pike that's going to do this same kind of thing? Yeah. 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 I, we are, we're going to get back to Romans someday. At least I think we are. And we are, if, if you if you remember where we were at in Romans 1, we're getting down to the part where it's talking about the homosexual. And this, even though I'm reading it from here, could be deemed even now as hate speech. Intolerance. Yes, there's things happening in America that's beginning to threaten our freedom to worship God. But what do we do? We obey God. We obey God. We hold fast to His truths and, and fast to His Word. That's what we go to. What did Daniel do? Well, he did, he did what he'd been doing, didn't he? But let's read verse 10. So the law went into place. He's not supposed to be worshiping the true and living God. He's only supposed to worship the king. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God 
as was his custom since early days. What did he do? Kept obeying God. Kept obeying God. And you know the rest of the story, or you can read the rest of the story to your children, and talk about it and what's going on. See, though laws and restrictions may be put in place that are contrary to the Word of God, we must pray, 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 and hold fast to truth, knowing full well that God is more than able to deliver us from any foe that may rise up against us. Now, may we be cast into the lion's den? May we be cast into the fiery furnace? Yes, we may. May we be thrown into prison? Yes, we may. But God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. So, is it okay for us to disobey the laws of the land? Yes. And I'm going to read it one more time. One more time. We obey. We disobey. We disobey government when government asks us to do what God forbids us to do or when government forbids us to do what God has commanded us to do. That's, that's it. That's the only times. And uh, perhaps some of us may encounter such a time in our life. And what should we do? We ought to obey God rather than man. And we, and when we obey God rather than man, we may suffer consequences. And you just hold fast, and whether it's facing imprisonment or even death, we, we hang on to God. We hang on to God. So what's our role as Christians who are citizens in the United States of America? What's our role? Can I, here, let me remind you of this because perhaps some of you are already thinking in your mind, I'm not a citizen of this country or this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. You were probably sitting there thinking it, weren't you? Well, here, let's read it. Uh, Philippians uh, 3, verse 20 and 21. For our citizenship, for the child of God, the true born-again believer, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. So yes, true, as born-again believers, we are just pilgrims, we are strangers, we are aliens here, yes, but while we are here in this bodily form, what are we to do as physical citizens of this country? Because we are. Spiritually, we're already there. But we're still in flesh and blood right here on planet Earth. So what do we do? Well, we live godly in this present age. That's what we're called to do. Live godly in this present age. As true children of God, we are to demonstrate to the world His saving power in our lives that we would put on Christ, as Paul said over and over again, that we would glorify Him, that we would make much of Jesus Christ. And as we read, be subject to rulers and authorities. See, by God's providential hand, I was born an American. I was born an American citizen and i am subject to rulers and authorities in america as long as they don't go against what god has commanded me and i believe by god's providential hand in the founding of america what means were put in place for determining who the rulers and authorities will be elections that's the means by which in this country the governing authorities are put in place. We're to be subject to rulers and authorities, and yet God has granted us to be in a country where we have the privilege to vote for who these rulers and authorities will be. Think about that. Because there are many countries throughout the world who have no say in who will be their leaders. They get who they get. Dictators. Fascist regimes. And the citizens of America are given the right and responsibility to elect our rulers and those who will be in authority over, over us. So, so, so the question may be, should a Christian participate in the process? As far as I'm concerned, I believe yes. Yes. Participate in the process 
of the land in which the Lord has placed us. Pray and vote. And you may say, and it is true, but both sides are flawed. Both presidential candidates are very flawed. Yes. Yes. You know, either the left or the right, neither neither is perfect. But, and then again, this, this is me. And this is where I hope I don't go off the rails. This is me. It seems to me, and it seems very clear to me, that one party supports more views that Christians hold dear and in high regard than the other party. Because I've told people, and Barb and I both, how could how could you vote for that guy? Well, I'm not necessarily voting for that guy. I'm voting for a platform. Because one side, and and you can read, you can read. I didn't bring it up here. You can go and I can give you a website, and you can go and you can read the, the Democratic platform. You can read. Uh, the the Republican Party just amended or brought over uh, the platform from 2016. You can read them. One side, one platform supports the sanctity of marriage and the definition of marriage as between one man and one woman. They all they're also more favorably support the idea of gender specifics, men and women genetically determined and decided at birth. God created men and women, period. God's standard of marriage, one man, one woman, nothing else. Creation, doctrine, that's that's what one side supports. They also more favorably support the sanctity of life in regard to unborn child in the mother's womb. It's in stated in the platform and let's here. I want to do this. I'm just going to pluck this one out of there. Uh, let's look at the abortion issue for just a moment. What's the world's argument? What's it always been? Well, two things. Two things, I suppose. One. One is when does life begin? There's there's one. And you understand if you've looked at any of this, it's. As long as that child doesn't take a breath and cry, and I've heard instances even when that happened, so you're talking about a baby still attached by an umbilical cord that's outside that mother's body being aborted. You understand that happens. How could that be? That's That's what I'm saying. How could that be? How could we live in a country where something like that happens? So one question is, when does life begin? Is it at conception or somewhere in the gestation period? Or is it as long as that baby doesn't take a breath and cry? So there's one. The second issue is the freedom of choice for the mother. It's her choice. Is is it her right? Is it? To determine whether or not she will continue a pregnancy or whether or not she will abort that baby at anywhere along the line all the way up to being in the delivery room. Now you listen, say amen, because you may be in thought going all over the place here. Now now listen, now listen, listen. See, the, the correct biblical answer to the first question will yield the correct response to the second question. Okay? You get the answer right to the first one. You don't need to worry about the second. When does life begin? The moment of conception. Let's just the moment of conception. I believe at the moment of conception. Psalms one thirty nine verse thirteen. Psalms one thirty nine verse thirteen. For you, for you, God, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Ask the prophet Jeremiah when his life as a prophet began. In Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb before. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. When was Jeremiah ordained a prophet? Before he was born, the Lord says, I sanctified you. I ordained you. Ask Elizabeth what her yet unborn son, John the Baptist, did the first time they came near to Mary who was, who was carrying Jesus Christ. Ask Elizabeth what happened to that baby in her womb. Luke 1, verse 41. Luke 1, verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe a recognition of the presence of the Lord. I believe the Word of God speaks of life in the womb as well as God choosing and sanctifying people even before conception. Which I believe would say that at the moment of conception there is life. Once that is established, then the matter of a woman's choice falls mute. There is no choice then. No choice after Conception after life. Scripture clearly says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. And that's what it is. It's murder. Proverbs 6. We hear so much about, Oh, God is love. Love, love, love. God is love. Oh, yeah. But is there things that God hates? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And and remember Proverbs 6. If someone gets... Oh, God's love, he won't, he won't send anybody to hell. God is love, he won't do this or that. God loves me even though I'm doing these things and these things. I'll just take him, take him. Oh, wait a minute. What about the hatred of God? Oh, no, no. God doesn't hate. God is love. God is love. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. You can't get around what the Bible says. These six things the Lord, what? Hates. Can't get around this. What are they? Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. And you know what we've been talking about here and talking about abortion. Is there any, is there anything more innocent than an unborn child in the mother's womb? It'd be hard to say if there was. And what does God hate? He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Blood. Wouldn't you hate to be a a a former abortion doctor standing before the throne of God in judgment if, if if they arrive there yet as an unbeliever? A lying tongue, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. That I can't help but thinking, even as I'm reading through this. People's faces and voices and things you've heard and seen over the last few weeks are coming to your mind. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. The Lord hates, hates these things. And there's a lot of this going on in America. There's a lot of things going on in America that God hates. And remember this. That as Christians we are not out to win a debate with the pro-choice advocates or the gay rights advocates or any others with opposing views. We're not out there to try to win a debate talk louder, get in their face more. That's not what we're about. As children of God, we're there to present the Word of God. Well, let's, let's just look. What, what's the, I'm a Christian and I've got to go by what the Word of God says that because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm going to stand on this until He comes or He takes me home. This is my absolute truth and I must stand by it regardless of what anybody may think. 
And here's what the Word of God says about homosexuality. Here's what the Word of God says about about life and 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 uh, when life be, when when were we these that we read about and to speak the word of truth to them, they will either accept it or they'll get mad and huffy and just let them blow off their steam and say something, I'll be praying for you. I'll probably make them madder. But but just do what what you can and, 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 and speak the truth in love. So if somebody asks me, well, uh, are you you pro life or you pro choice? Well, I'm pro Bible. Here, let me take you to the Word of God and let's just see what it says. And so I I I, I believe what the Bible says. And then and I and I've seen this, and perhaps this is true. I believe when a politician takes the wrong stand on the issue of life they will almost always take the wrong stand on the issues of family and Christian values. It just seems that way to me. If they take the wrong stand on life, they will almost always take the wrong stand on, and now you can throw gender in there, family in there, throw all that in there, they will almost always take the wrong stand on those ideas. So again, I'll ask this question one more time. Who determines whether a pro-life or pro-choice candidate will be elected? Well, we're going to say God because He's the one who sets things on throat, but on the, on, still on the throne and, and nothing will thwart His plans. But by what means do these people get put into, the, into office through being elected? Through being elected. Every citizen in America that is of voting age has the opportunity to make that determination. Alistair Begg, just a quote from Alistair. God is sovereign in these things. His plans will not be thwarted, but you are sensible people. And you must exercise wisdom and grace in the execution of your voting privilege as I must do. Now, that, that's Alistair. And as I said, I believe that God will turn the hearts and minds of, of people toward particular candidates or maybe to not even vote. Oh, you mean I shouldn't vote? Here's what you do. You pray and you do what the Lord is telling you to do. That's what you do. If the Lord says don't vote, don't vote. Because ultimately, he is going to turn the hearts and minds so that his ones he has chosen will be placed in there. And so don't get into a big argument with somebody. You're not going to vote. you got to vote. And you just get in their face. Just let them know. Pray. And do what God is asking you to do. And if God is telling you to not vote, then don't vote. If God is telling you to vote for this one, you vote for that one. If He's telling you to vote for this one, vote for that one. Do what God... Honestly, sincerely, pray, carefully, pray, and do what God tells you. That's what we should do. Amen? That's what we should do. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3 Therefore I exhort... Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? Why would I want to pray for that Yahoo? Well, God tells us to. That's why. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in sight of God our Savior. Why does God put authorities, governing authorities in place to protect those who do good and punish those who do evil? You see, for kings and all who are in authority, why? Why are they put in there that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life? That's why. That's why God put this system in order. So be praying now. 
for our president and leaders, even now, even after the election, these that are in there right now are still in there. Oh yeah, they're lame ducks after that if they get voted out, but they're still in there. And so be praying for them, be praying for those who will be elected, that their hearts would be turned to God. That should be our prayer. Turn their heart to God. Man, <laughs> man, wouldn't it be wonderful to see someone that is so far out there on the left that they're just, oh my goodness, they're just going against everything that's in here and that God, that they would have a, a burning bush uh, encounter with God? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something? And, and then them to have the boldness to confess that? Before all, on, on CNN, which they, they've just been lifted up, lifted up, and on MSNBC, and, and how they've just been glorified and all this, and now here they would come out for the Lord. What, man, pray, Lord, grab one of these. Have mercy, open their eyes that they may see you and see the truth, and, and give them the boldness to stand. Man, wouldn't that be great? God's in control. He's in control. Oh, let's just be praying. Be praying, be praying, because He is in control, and His mercies are new every morning, and His mercies will be new Wednesday morning. They will be. Can we, let's read Lamentations 3. Let's read that. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 20 through 25. Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed. <laughs> See, that's all of us. Because uh, we're all imperfect. Yes, if we've been redeemed, I guess we could say we are pre-perfection. We will be perfect someday when we stand in His presence. But we're, we're right now, we're still in a battle with flesh and blood. We're imperfect. But His mercy by His through His mercies, we are not consumed because of Christ, you see. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. See that? How do we get through? How do we get through? The Lord. He is our hope. He is our hope. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. We didn't sing that song today. Maybe next Sunday. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. God is faithful, isn't He? He is faithful. He is faithful. How about Deuteronomy 7, 9? Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Ah, oh, do you love Him? Do you love Him? Do you love the Lord? Do you love Him? Uh, this is grace and mercy. Let's do this. Do I have great is thy faithfulness, the song? Let's do one verse. One verse in a chorus of great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of Turning with Thee, Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness.
faithfulness. Repeat that line. Great is thy faithfulness. One more time. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. He is great and his mercies are everlasting. Uh, we're going to do one more little, little chorus, little song. And it's a song we've done throughout the years from time to time. And God is in control. We've talked about that. He is in control. Put put the, I can't sing that verse very good. So I'm just going to read it and we're going to sing the chorus. So this is no time for fear. This is a time for faith and determination. Speaks to the times we're in, doesn't it? Don't lose the vision here. Carried away. By emotion. Don't lose the vision of what the Lord has. Don't get carried away by the emotion that's going on on the earth. Hold on to all that you hide in your heart. And child of God, what should you have hidden in your heart? The Word of God. And why do you have it hidden there? So that you might not sin against Him. Hold on to all that you hide in your heart. There is one thing that has always been true. And it holds the world together. Because he does. He holds it all together. Mark uh, Mark Lowry talked about that. About that's the Lord that holds you together. The Lord holds you together. If it wasn't for the Lord, your atoms would just explode. He said. He's the one that holds us together. He holds us together. Let, let, let's sing the chorus. God is in control. We believe that His children will not be forsaken God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside Him we know. Oh, God is in control. Oh, God is in control. Let's sing it one more time. God is in control. We believe that His children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside Him we know. Oh, God is in control. Oh, God is in control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, and at all times, Lord, help us to remember that you are in control. Oh, Lord, you are holding us together. And oh, what a better place to be than to be held by you and held in your hand, secure, secure. Oh, Lord, help us to know and remember and that during this week, <laughs> Lord, there's, there's, I can't help but think there's going to be a lot of garbage and shenanigans going on this week, Lord. As help your children to endure it, help us to to be able to consider it in in ways that we should, and know that you're in control, and to put our faith in you, and put our trust in what your word says, and help us hold fast to your word. So, Lord, we we pray for. Our, the the administration that, that is in place, Lord, all the way from, from President Trump, all the way, let's bring it down to the, to the county level, Lord, even to, to those who are in county offices uh, here in Iron County. Lord, we, we just want to lift them up to you and just, just pray, oh, Lord, have your hand upon them. Lord, draw them close to you. That's our prayer. Lord, have mercy and draw them all close to you. Help them that they may know you. Help them that they may know the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So Lord, open eyes that you would, that you would be seen, that your glory would be seen, and that sin, the, these people would see that they are nothing but sinners before you and, 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 and are on their way to everlasting wrath and destruction. 
Lord, open their eyes, grant them faith that they might believe. And Lord, let them be a tremendous light. Lord, as, as we said earlier, just how about some of these that are already in, in great positions of power right now? Oh, Lord, we, we can't help but, but think that, oh, what a, what a wonderful thing it would be for you to just oh, knock them to their knees, overpower them by your great light, and give them faith. So, Lord, I just pray that we might see that, perhaps in at least one. Lord, would, would you grant that? Would you let us see a miracle of, of, of salvation for someone who is, who is yet far from you and, and yet in a, in a place of high political power? Oh, Lord, let us see that. And Lord, again, just, just help us, help this little congregation. Help us to be faithful in doing what you are asking us to do as individuals. Lord, and, and we know that the outcome is in your hands. And we trust you. We trust you, Lord. And Lord, help us to be singing Wednesday morning just the same as we would any other day. So Lord, help us to put our faith and trust in you. We ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.